0: Hello, and thank you for joining the podcast, Emergency Minute. Your host is an emergency medicine physician who brings over 20 years of experience in healthcare. Dr. Parente will take you through some of the trending topics and challenges faced in the ER and all of healthcare. Join in the fight against misinformation, and don't forget to follow on social media at Dr. J Parente. Now, here's your host, Dr. John Parente. Welcome back, everyone. How are y'all feeling? Thanks for joining us this week for another episode of Emergency Minute. This week is Episode 9, Medical Necessities When Traveling. But before I get started, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, commenting, and especially sharing and reviewing. The average podcaster lasts only 7 episodes, and now I've made it to 9. So I can finally tell my mom I'm slightly above average. Proud moment in my life. So for those of you that don't follow me on social media yet, I do make some medical humor videos and some other useful educational content, so be sure to check that out on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Dr. J. Parente. All right, the motivation for this podcast topic was a recent trip to Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. 20 years ago, I went and visited this island, and I was less than impressed. I felt like I was driving through a National Geographic commercial where there were poor children running around and animals. And I really felt bad at the time. And I was like, man, I really hope these tourism dollars can trickle down to the people that live there, the children, and help them with infrastructure, et cetera. But I can tell you that it evidently worked on some level because I was much more impressed 20 years later with the infrastructure, the roads, cars, buildings, everything seemed to be much more what we're used to and accustomed to when we visit some of the countries in the Caribbean. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. Another thing to consider is that Cleveland will be having direct flights from Cleveland to Punta Cana, which I don't think you can go anywhere direct from Cleveland other than like Chicago, New York. So something to consider as well, cause it may be an easier destination for you to get to. But over the next few minutes, I'm going to cover some things to consider when traveling and yes, primarily medical, and give you some helpful tips on how to maximize the enjoyment of your trip. That's the whole point. Or at least hopefully prevent a total disaster. Much of the discussion here today is gonna be focused on warmer climates as many of us here in the North head South and seek out warmer climates. I could do an entire podcast on cold weather travels, frostbite, and get into things like altitude sickness. Could do a podcast on people who climb mountains and they get the acute mountain sickness and then contrast that with people who scuba dive and the bad things that can happen such as the bends. Maybe something for the future to consider. What do you guys think about that? So first and foremost, you have to consider where you're going to go. And being an ER doctor, I'm a big safety guy. So there's two types of ER doctors out there. Those who are super safe from all the badness that they see. And those who are just completely nuts and like jump out of airplanes and climb mountains. Anyone who knows me can tell you that I'm nuts, but I'm also not the jump out of the airplane guy. So before we pick a destination, I typically will research the safety of that country first. Now, there aren't many things I credit the government with doing well. However, I will give credit where it is due. And they do have a great travel website travel.state.gov that i use before every trip they break down recommendations into four categories one is basically exercise normal precautions two is exercise increased precautions three don't go there unless you have to and level four is bruh what are you doing so most countries that i travel to with my family think about mostly like caribbean and europe are going to fall in that level one through three some of you may be more adventurous, and I'm sure you could find some fours out there as well. So to kind of give you some examples, what does that look like? Well, level one in the Caribbean would be places like St. Martin, Grand Cayman, Antigua, Anguilla, and Grand Cayman. And in Europe, Iceland, Ireland, Switzerland, Austria, Greece, and Croatia. So these are considered very safe places to travel where you just exercise normal precautions. Now, if you go on the website, you can actually play around with this and go country, country, region by region, and actually gather more information. So, some examples of Level 2, which means to use increased caution, Dominican Republic, Turks and Caicos, Costa Rica, and the Bahamas, and when looking at Europe, Italy, France, Germany, and Denmark. Level 3s are places you really shouldn't travel unless you have to. These would be like Jamaica, unfortunately, Honduras, Colombia, Cancun, Cabo, also unfortunately, and just about all places in Mexico right now. And then looking overseas, Hong Kong, Egypt, China, and many countries in Africa. A few Level 4s, which most are pretty obvious, Russia, Ukraine, they're kind of at war, Haiti, Iran, Iraq, and Venezuela. So check out that website because I do think it's pretty useful. There are some attached links to the website which will connect to travel recommendations by the CDC, which I think is helpful as well. Now, once you've settled upon your destination, I would advise you to do your homework and Google that particular country and see what requirements are there for entry and exit as every country is a little bit different. So for example, the Bahamas has a travel visa, Dominican has an e-ticket, Cancun has a tourist visa, so if you're traveling and you don't do your homework, you may find yourself standing outside of the line to either get on the plane in the U.S. or in customs in a foreign country with your wife staring a hole through your soul as you frantically try to fill out whatever was needed and was supposed to be done before you left. And that's just not a good way for anyone to start their vacation. Not that that's ever happened to me before. So it would be impossible for me to cover all of the 195 countries that are on this beautiful earth and what medical things should be considered prior to travel. But I would advise that you check with the CDC website to get this information well in advance of your trip. There are some very important considerations that you may not even be aware of. My favorite example is Costa Rica. Beautiful country in Central America. Great resorts and beaches. I'm sure the cocktails taste amazing. But did you know that you're supposed to get numerous shots before you go to Costa Rica? Hepatitis A, most people don't have. Typhoid fever vaccination. This is in addition to normal vaccines, of course. A lot of people don't have Hep A, and I don't think I know anyone that has typhoid vaccination. That's not that common unless you are one of those ear docs that's a crazy traveler. And yes, typhoid fever is likely what you died from if you ever played the epic computer game of Oregon Trail, but I digress. And did I mention that you are advised to take anti-malaria medications before your trip, during your trip, and after your trip to Costa Rica as well? Oh, and you should consider a rabies vaccine, as rabid dogs and other animals are extremely common in Costa Rica. Remember that one time you died from rabies? I'm reminded of the hangover. But did you die? <laughs> other bizarre things in Costa Rica include some terrifying things that can be transmitted via bug bites. Ever hear of Chagas disease? AKA American Trypanosomiasis, which is a parasitic infection that can be life-threatening. No big deal. And of course, Zika with mosquito bites. And then there's, you know, dengue fever. I've seen it a million times. Then you have sand fly bites, which lead to leishmaniasis. So yeah, you may want to do a little bit more homework prior to your trip. And I'm pretty sure after this podcast, I'm going to be getting a phone call slash threat from the Costa Rica Department of Tourism. Okay, medications. What to bring? I preemptively need to state that I am not giving out medical advice, as I cannot possibly know your medical history, current medications, kidney function, allergies, blood thinners, etc. So for the purpose of this podcast, I'm simply stating some options that you may have if you are able to take these medications safely. Furthermore, I would definitely recommend that you schedule an appointment with your family physician to discuss these options. And don't wait to schedule that appointment the week or the month before. As I've mentioned numerous times on this show, healthcare is not only broken, it's pretty much shattered. If you call your doctor today, you may be able to celebrate another birthday before getting in to see them. So first you need the basics. Tylenol, which is acetaminophen, ibuprofen, which is Motrin, or if you prefer the other common NSAID, which is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, that is Aleve, which is naproxen. And you'd want these for any aches and pains, fevers, headaches, or hangovers. And don't forget to bring the liquid version if you do have children. Side note, you can take Tylenol at the same time that you take NSAIDs. We don't really advertise that to families and things like that out there because we don't want someone to be accidentally overdosed and give too much of the medication to their child or be giving this to their child all day long, and then they're masking what is really going on and then making it more difficult for everyone and putting their child at risk. But the reality is Tylenols processed through your liver, NSAIDs go through your kidneys. So you can safely take them together if needed. Now, side note number two is you cannot take Motrin and Naproxen or aspirin at the same time. That's double dosing your NSAIDs, which can lead to all kinds of badness. Stomach upset, stomach ulcers, can injure your kidneys amongst other issues. All right, so what about aspirin? Well, you can, pref- you can bring that if you prefer for headaches, pain, fever, but you have to be at least 18 years old or you get something called Rye syndrome. So why have you most likely not ever heard of that? Well, because most people who reproduce are smart enough to not give aspirin to a child. Although two weeks ago, I literally had a grandmother in the ER medicating their eight-year-old with aspirin and I almost could hear the sound of my jaw hitting the ground when she told me this. Side note number three, the same enzymes that break down Tylenol in your liver are the ones that process ethanol, which is alcohol, aka your margarita. Therefore, it's not a good idea to be hammered and take Tylenol for your headache or your hangover that can cause liver damage. I'd also recommend an antihistamine such as Benadryl or Zyrtec or any other type of antihistamine that you prefer. Allergens have a lot of local and regional variability, which means there may be some things that flare up your allergies that you're completely unaware of. Having itchy, watery eyes, a rash, or hives can definitely make your trip more miserable. Plus the added benefit of having antihistamine if you do end up with mosquito bites and such. So a quick story about noceums, which are these little bugs that you can't see, hence the name noceums, are smaller bites, but very similar to mosquito bites. They're intensely paritic, which means they itch like crazy. Places like Florida, Bahamas, when I was in Exuma, I had many, many bites. I was under assault. I think I had somewhere like 60 to 70 bites we counted at one time. You can't see the damn thing, so you don't know you're being bit until it's too late. Good news, bug spray, fairly worthless against it as well. Some essential oils can deter them, so here's your prop to the essential oil community. But for the most part, they say the best prevention is simply don't be outside at dawn or dusk. Fantastic. That's great advice to any traveler. Another thing to consider with allergies is if somebody in your party or family has anaphylaxis, be sure to bring your EpiPen as well. What about stomach medications well many of you are probably going to be eating drinking different foods foods that you're not used to perhaps partaking in some adult beverages so it is quite common to get some gastritis or esophagitis which is just inflammation in your stomach or esophagus aka heartburn indigestion or whatever common societal word you prefer for this i would recommend an h2 blocker which is pepcid and there's other ones out there of course as well now some people will want to bring a ppi proton pump inhibitor such as protonix nexium prilosec what's the difference Well, the H2 blocker will neutralize the acid that's in your stomach right now. So theoretically, it will help your symptoms shortly after you take the medications. But medications like Prilosec or Omeprazole and the other ppis they don't work like that they work by decreasing acid production which means it doesn't touch the acid that's there right now so you cannot take those medications as needed you can't feel a difference right away if you take a prilosec 20 minutes after eating and then you feel better that's either a coincidence or it's because you drink water with it you have to take this medication for days or even weeks before you would notice a difference in the er when patients come in with esophagitis or gastritis We prescribe a PPI, such as Protonix, and tell them to do a 30-day trial. And at the end of 30 days, that's when they see if they're feeling better. The next step is then to follow up with the GI doctor is if they are not, they're going to need an EGD, which is a scope. Another thing to consider is that when you go to another country, any country, the bacteria and just like the stuff in the water and the food and such is going to be different than your normal flora. So it's not uncommon to get a little bit of diarrhea. That's different than having diarrhea from an infection. So it would be a good idea to bring something called Simethicone, which is just commonly known as Gas-X for gas, and Loperamide, which is Imodium, to help with any diarrhea. Now there is that difference that we talked about between normal flora, which is the bacteria inside your gut that just lives there and you're not even aware of it, and having an infection. Now there's a name for the infection, we call it Montzuma's Revenge, aka Traveler's Diarrhea. This is usually caused by a bacteria called E. coli, but can be due to any number of bugs such as Salmonella, Shigella, norovirus, rotavirus, amongst others. So this is where you would want to talk to your physician about a prescription for azithromycin or Zithromax. Now, the great thing about Zithromax is is not only indicated for traveler's diarrhea, but it can be used for a variety of other conditions, strep throat, an ear infection, which is otitis media, not to be confused with the swimmer's ear, which is the external infection, we'll get to that later. Bacterial bronchitis, which most bronchitis is viral, but just in case you've been sick long enough, it can become bacterial, pneumonia, some skin and soft tissue infections like impetigo and even dental infections. So it's a good one to have on hand. And if you have listened to my last podcast, episode 8, Medical Myths That Just Won't Die, then you already know that Zithromax does not work for sinusitis. So we used to use fluoroquinolones for this, such as Cipro, but this really should be second line and has a lot of downsides, like increased risk of tendon rupture, potentially for kidney injury, extremely risky to use in children, uh, so, in addition to the Gasex, Imodium, and Azithromycin, you may want to consider Peptobismol, which is kind of a relatively safe, far reaching medication to take as needed that may help with indigestion and heartburn, but can also help with diarrhea. Now, what else would you ask a family physician for? Zofran, another good option, especially the ODT, which is oral dissolving tablet. This is great for nausea and vomiting. So, if the little one gets sick, you have the option for him or her to dissolve this under the tongue and treat the vomiting. And if you have a really little one at home, you can actually break the tablet in half and use half the dose. It'd be pretty hard to overdose on Zofran. We have cancer patients that take much higher doses. This does work for hangovers for those who may be partaking a little bit too much in the adult beverage. However, one thing to keep in mind is can anyone tell me the most common side effect of Zofran? Ding, 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 headache. So you may want to consider a dose of Motrin in addition to the Zofran for that hangover, and maybe some pickle juice and some coconut water if you can stomach that. Side note. You know what really is healthy for you and protects you and your liver after a night of drinking? That's right, coffee. So many myths about coffee out there, most of which are not true, but we do know that coffee in the morning after a night of drinking does protect your liver. So that's thumbs up for all the coffee drinkers out there. What other types of infections can derail a vacation? Think of dirty water going into places it doesn't belong, such as your eyeballs and your ear holes. Exactly, conjunctivitis. Now to get more advanced here, I'm gonna give you a travel tip that will blow your mind, but I cannot possibly take credit for this as it was given to me by one of the best pharmacists I've ever worked with. He suggested getting a prescription of ofloxacin ophthalmic. Why is this genius? Because it treats conjunctivitis, which is eye infection, pink eye, but it can also be used to treat otitis externa, which is swimmer's ear. And when you're traveling, you wanna try to keep things as compact as possible so you can have one medication that does two things. So kudos to pharmacy for working with us. We are much better doctors when we work with those guys. Now, depending on how skilled you are gluing things together, another thing to consider would be bringing some basic wound care supplies and even some soft tissue adhesive, AKA Dermabond. Now you can find this anywhere on Amazon online. And again, I'm not recommending that you skip out on going to see the doctor or the healthcare professional. If you have a cut that needs stitches, like you need to go get stitches. However, if there's something that's really, really small and you think, hey, maybe I can get away with some glue and you're comfortable with that, obviously increased risk of infection. You're gonna wash it out with soap and water, do your best, and then you know try the tissue glue that you can buy online. Now. What happens to 20% of lacerations, regardless of what you do, they become infected. So you have to you know, keep an eye on this thing and consider that and consider seeking out healthcare, but you also could bring some topical antibacterial ointment. Now, most people say Neosporin. It's kind of the Band-Aid of that medication, but I actually don't like Neosporin as a high percentage of patients are actually allergic to the neomycin component, as high as 11%, and I've seen even things printed at even higher. So if you're applying this to the cut and it's looking worse every day, the question becomes, Is the cut becoming infected? Getting worse? Or are you having an allergic reaction to the Neosporin? Sometimes that's hard to figure out. So I recommend Polysporin, which just contains the ingredients of bacitracin and polymixin. Now, yeah, it's possible for you to become allergic to those things as well, but it's just less likely. Another thing to keep in mind is that the antidote, the thing that reverses Dermabond, is antibiotic ointment. So if you do choose to use the Dermabond, don't apply the antibiotic ointment for days after, unless you're super concerned about infection and then that obviously outweighs the benefit of having the wound closed, but at that point you should probably be involving a healthcare professional. Another thing to add to your travel bag would be an Aquaphor. So Aquaphor has been around forever and is a great treatment option for most rashes. It rarely causes an allergic reaction and can be used for many forms of dermatitis, which is basically just a word for inflamed skin. It can help with sunburn and just about anything else that is dried out or itchy. Speaking of dried out and itchy, please bring sunscreen. Nothing can ruin a trip faster than being ill-prepared for the sun and forgetting sunscreen. Resorts love to sell this to tourists because they jack up the prices through the roof. Last week at the Hard Rock in Punta Cana, we found the cheapest bottle of sunscreen on the resort was $35 and we found it as high as 50. Highway robbery. Another thing to consider is that SPF 30 is about as high as it gets. Yes, 50 is slightly more effective. So if you are Casper or a relative of Casper and you burn just looking at the sun, then sure, go ahead and get the 50. But for the most part, 30 is fine for everyone else on Earth. And if you use anything over 50, you are literally paying for marketing. There's no difference after 50. I digress. Now, the last thing I think I'd recommend would be something for motion sickness. You can take Dramamine if that's worked for you in the past, but that does make some people drowsy. It is available over-the-counter. If you're someone who really gets sick on an airplane, or if you're going to be on a cruise and you're worried about the motion sickness that's going to ruin your entire vacation, you can talk to your family doctor on medication called Meclizine, aka Anavert, or even a scopolamine patch which fits right behind your ear and stays there for a couple of days and helps with motion sickness, but may cause a little bit of drowsiness. The last thing I want to address when traveling is the big pink elephant in the room, COVID requirements. (sighs) Okay, first and foremost, why are we still doing this? Do we have requirements for flu, RSV, C. diff, dengue fever? With this strain, it's mutated so many times that it is now much less dangerous. Plus, a lot of the world has already had the vaccine or been infected with the virus or both. So there is some immunity that has built up to this virus. It is super annoying, but I would definitely recommend you research wherever your travels take you prior to leaving so that you need to know what to do to get into their country and what you need to do to get back into ours. We just went to Punta Cana last week. We did not have anything to do for COVID nor did we have to do anything on the return other than we had to fill out this nonsense contact tracing that American Airlines had sent us. Many countries, thank goodness, have loosened their requirements for entry which makes sense. This virus is endemic. I got news for you guys, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Time to start living alongside the virus. As I heard someone early on in the pandemic say, and this is my favorite quote to come out of COVID, you cannot legislate a virus, and they could not have been more correct. Well, that's all I've got this week. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Emergency Minute. If you like what you've been listening to, please consider sharing this show with someone you know. And as always, you can follow me on social media platforms at Dr. J Parente. As always, peace, love, and happiness to everyone out there. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on Emergency Minute. Join us next time for more hard-hitting discussions on some of today's issues in healthcare. Don't forget to leave us a review on Spotify or follow on social media at Dr. J. Parente.